When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's the report, old report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lund alongside Al Renato, a.k.a. as New York sports radio fans know him, the great Al from White Plains. And this is New Report, Old Report here on Monday, February 11, 2019 from 8 to 9 Eastern Time, live on Sports Radio America. If you miss the live show, you can catch the replay all week, also at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or find the show as bonus content under the Bridge Sports Podcast, which you can find by searching for the Bridge Sports Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, really wherever you get your podcasts or at londonbridge.com. If you want to interact with the show, you can text in a question, comment, or complaint to 929-274-3437. Or if you're brave enough, leave a voicemail with the same and we'll play what you have to say on air again by calling 929-274-3437. This week, Anthony Davis stays with the Pelicans. What the ramifications were for New Orleans and the Los Angeles Lakers not having to trade their entire team for him. Proposed rule changes in Major League Baseball and the pros and cons to some of them. And the Manny Machado, Bryce Harper saga continues. Check your sources. We're off. Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that was a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? We don't know. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics, though a little bit less exciting than other weeks, specifically weeks involving the National Football League, though we did have the unveiling of the Alliance of American Football which actually beat out NBA ratings on its opening night just to show how much people love football or at least something new. And we can get in that toward the end because I did watch some of it and can get you up to speed on the shenanigans of the AAF. First and foremost, though, we teased a little of this last week in the NBA. The trade deadline came to a close on Thursday and the excitement of said deadline didn't necessarily reach its peak because the player that was under the spotlight was Anthony Davis, as Doggy would call him, Antonio Davis. Anthony Davis is staying with the New Orleans Pelicans. They decided to keep him and not give his wishes to trade him to another team, at least not yet. They kind of played possum with the Lakers throughout the whole ordeal saying that they wanted more players, saying that they wanted more draft picks. And in reality, I don't think they were ever going to make that deal. I think they were having a little bit of fun at the Lakers' expense. But to make a long story short, Anthony Davis stays with the Pelicans, and the Lakers don't trade their entire team for him. Thoughts? Well, greetings, Johnny. Hello, everybody. It was a uh, really a week dominated by the NBA trade deadline after we got over uh, what was, as we talked about last week, um, an underwhelming Super Bowl, not just because of the, the lack of action or scoring, but because of really uh, the quality of play on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I, I, for one, was obviously incredibly angry as a Laker fan for the way clutch sports slash 
LeBron tried to maneuver this scenario. Um, I didn't like the way the commissioner treated it. Fining Clutch Sports and or uh, Davis a, a mere fifty thousand dollars because you can go to your team and tell them that you, want, you could want to be traded, but you are not supposed to go public. Uh, and announced that you want to be traded or request a trade uh, during the season, and it's a violation of uh, league rules. Uh, whether it was Anthony Davis with Clutch Sports in his ear or Clutch Sports, regardless, they did that. And they literally threw the Lakers into a young players into a state of disarray, uh, especially Brandon Ingram, who was simply not the, the same player uh, during that time period. He had been playing incredibly well. And he just went to hell in a handbasket. Uh, everything was awry with the Lakers. They were a mess. Uh, they go into Indiana, lose by 42 points, even with LeBron back. And I blame so much of that on what Clutch Sports tried to pull off, probably in conjunction uh, with LeBron, who just can't keep his hands off of any franchise that he goes to, whether he goes to there by choice or not. He has proven in the past he is a great player and an awful general manager. And that's why I didn't want him on the Lakers. And it's come to fruition. He can't keep his hands off the team. Uh, he did his best uh, to throw them into a state of disarray through his agent, uh, probably doing his best to get Luke Walton fired because Luke Walton has got to deal with a bunch who now knows that they're there, but for a two-week period had no idea what was going on and it showed in their play uh, or lack thereof. And he somehow managed to keep them together to the point where they rebounded with a great one in Boston during the week. And then they lose today in Philly. But the point is, I didn't like the maneuvering. I thought it was against the best interest of the league. I thought it was against the best interest of my team. I can't stand when any player with this much time remaining on his contract starts with the, I want to be traded crap. And you hear the player side from certain hosts say, oh, well, he's doing the team a service. He's telling them, you know, he's giving them notice. So they have time to get something for him versus just playing out the string and leaving the team with nothing when he goes for free agency. I feel totally the opposite because when you do that, you kill their bargaining power. Because once you've said, I don't want to come back, trade me, I'm not coming back. Well, then they can get so much less for you on the open market because they know you are up against it. You've got to make a move or you're going to lose it for nothing. So now you're desperate to trade them. So it doesn't do the team any service by telling him I'm not staying. I'm not going to sign a long term deal here. You know, I would much prefer it if the player just shut up. And if he wants to make that kind of request, go to the team and do it like a pro, like an adult. Don't bandy it about in the press like Rich Paul and Crotch Sports did to turn this thing into a train wreck. And it was an absolute mess. And a commissioner has no backbone whatsoever. Instead of making a statement and finding him a million bucks or something of note, finds him $50,000, which is like me saying, you, John, I'm penalizing you a nickel. It was pathetic. It was a commissioner who showed absolutely no guts. David Stern would have never let this happen on his watch without there being severe consequences. And it just showed once again that this commissioner is a lackey for the players. Yeah, the ripple effects, too, of this are still being felt in terms of the negative. We saw this on Friday, starting with the Pelicans. They enter the fourth quarter. Davis is 30-plus points, playing great. 
They're in a three to two point game. It's close. And Alvin Gentry sits him. Not only does he sit him in the fourth quarter, which is understandably so. Stars sit, the second team's in. He sits him the whole fourth quarter. Now, they end up winning the game by three or four, whatever the number was, but he doesn't play. And Gentry says, well, it's the minutes limits, and we're trying to get... This, I think, could be a trend now because there was the discussion of, well, are they going to sit him for the rest of the season then? Well, the NBA said, we'll find you $100,000 each game that you sit him, which to your nickel analogy is like a quarter to those guys. Now it's going to come to the point where Gentry can just decide when he wants to play him, when he doesn't, and he'll still be able to sort of do that. And I don't know whose decision that will be, whether Anthony Davis plays or not. So you have that to deal with. He, of course, says he wants to play. I don't know what the ownership feels like, and they might try to work around that like we saw sitting him the entire fourth quarter. Well, if there's a minute's limit, don't play him in the beginning of the game and save him for the end. That didn't make any sense for that argument. For the Lakers, this this was the thing that I feared most with LeBron because we've seen this rodeo everywhere he goes and multiple times throughout his career where he gets to a team, you think things will be okay, and before you know it, he starts trying to get his guys into that team and basically make it his own instead of playing with the guys around him. When he came to Los Angeles, we were told he was thrilled to be playing with the young core that they had acquired over the last several years and drafts and free agency and different things like that. Great. Let's see what he can do with these young guys. Maybe we'll get one or two pieces around them, but they do have a couple pieces that could prove some of the better players in the NBA. Well, we found out that was a lie. (laughs) Basically, he was ready to trade all of them, all of the young players for one Anthony Davis. And then they have to go back into the locker room with that mindset now of, oh, this was all a ruse. The smoke and mirrors of LeBron had us thinking he actually wanted to play with us when, in fact, he still wants to build his own team. The benefit of having LeBron Coming to L.A. would have been, I think, if there were already those one or two superstars there, and then he really didn't have a chance to dip his toes in the water to cry foul and try to bring other players in. If Paul George had come, who knows if anything would be different. If other people had come and then he showed up, things might have been different. But now we're seeing, no, he's still going to try and put his team together, and I couldn't believe he was willing to really get rid of the, basically the starting five. Just put them all down the road for one player in Anthony Davis, who's a great player, but, I mean, that was a lot for Anthony Davis, a guy that he's been injured at times. He's not that successful in the postseason playing alongside DeMarcus Cousins. They never made a big of a splash in the playoffs. Granted, very hard field, obviously, especially if you're getting in as the eighth seed. It just seemed like a lot. And now I don't know what's going to happen for this ship to be righted as the season goes on because they're going to have to fight tooth and nail to not get the eight seed to get the seven seed because if they play Golden State, I think it's going to be good night real fast. And I don't know what these young guys are going to do now thinking that way. Hopefully they just put their head down, put their blinders on and just play and try to forget as quickly as possible that they all were going to be traded at least until we get to this point next season. I I just think he is, 
I mean, you, you look up phony in the dictionary and he's got his own page. He always has been. It's always about him. He's a player for the ages. He's, he's the top 10 player in the history of the league. A lot of people think he's the best player in the history of the league. I'm not going there. Uh, he's undoubtedly a top 10 player, maybe a top five player. But the bottom line is this. No matter where he goes, it's always got to be come with me, get this guy to come play with me. I'm going to bring this guy here. I got to bring that guy there. The only guy who had the balls who's to stand up to him and put him in his place was Pat Riley, who brought him to Miami. And when he brought him to Miami, brought him to Miami with his rings, showed him the rings, rolled him out on the table. This is what you can get. But when he tried to get the coach fired, Riley said, uh-uh, this is your coach. I brought you to win championships. You're going to play for this coach or you're not going to play at all. I run the team. I'm the general manager. I get the players. I hire the coach. All right, you play. And they went to four straight finals and won two titles. But wherever else he goes, he wants to run the show. He wants to run the show in Cleveland. He wants to get coaches fired, get GMs fired, have players in and out, a revolving door. And then when he goes to the Lakers, he gives us this uh, talk and pony show about it's going to be different and it's going to be a process. And then for the long haul, the first chance you get, what's he do? What's he do? And then he has the unmitigated gall to say that these guys have got to stay off social media because the young players, oh my goodness, the social media scenario is evil for them. They can throw them in a state of disarray. It's awful. What does he do? After they get pasted by 42 points within a few minutes after talking about that, he goes right on social media and talks about what a great night it was for him to get his 30,000th point and go to fifth place in the all-time scoring list. If they lost by 42 points, you lost by 42 points and you're going on social media and saying what a great night it was. Well, I bet Michael Jordan would do that, wouldn't he? And why am I comparing to Michael Jordan? Because he wants to be the greatest of all time. So if you want to be the greatest of all time, who do you compare it to? Compared to Michael Jordan. Think Kobe Bryant would do that? Kobe Bryant would be livid over a 42-point loss. Think he'd be going on social media congratulating himself? I don't think so. No shot. Not this guy. It's the same old story with this guy. He's the queen. He's not the king. He's the queen. He wants it all his way. He wants everybody to bow down to what he wants, when he wants it, how he wants it, where he wants it, and be damned with everybody else and their career. He wants to run the league. Him and Crotch Sports want to run the league. And that dope Rich Paul. Oh, yeah, I, I, I'm going to realize he's a real Bradyac, all right? What, why? Because, you know, he's part of LeBron's crew? You know, because they grew up together in Akron, and he goes, he works under an agent, so now he's a genius agent? He's where he is because LeBron James is a great basketball player. Period. End of story. Because no great agent does that disservice to his client and to the league with that crock of crap he pulled last week with Anthony Davis. It put his player in peril. It put his player's team in peril. It put other teams in peril. And as I said, we have a commissioner who did absolutely nothing to prevent it from happening again. And that is unconscionable, absolutely unconscionable. And in all probability, LeBron James is probably buying the whole damn thing. And thankfully, thankfully, whether it was the Lakers not willing to cow down or New Orleans just you know, literally running 
you know, a, a total ruse, they will rue the day. They didn't. If the Lakers made that offer, basically the entire team, they will rue the day they didn't take it because they're never going to get an offer as good as that. Never. Jason Tatum by himself is not as good as, as, as that entire Laker offer. No way in any way, shape, or form. Bunch of young players, good young players. Oh, they want an all-NBA player. Well, where's the all-NBA player? Celtics don't have any. Oh, Kyrie Irving. You got any other ones? Jason Tatum's not an all-NBA player yet. He's got a chance to be a great player. The best of those uh, of that bunch, Browns regressed. Rozier, what, are you kidding me? It's a nice little guard. That's exactly what he is, a nice little guard. Now they have picks. Lakers offered them all their young players and two first-round picks, and they said no. Nuts. Absolutely nuts. They won't come close to that kind of offer from anyone else. And I mean no one else. Folks, let's just first clear the air and let you know Al was not on Instagram seeing LeBron talk about getting to top five all time. He does not have an Instagram account that is secondhand information knowing that LeBron went to social media that night. Just so we get that clear, you won't find Al from White Plains on Instagram. At least not yet. Still trying. Still trying to poke the bear, get him on Twitter, get him on Instagram, call into the show, and forcefully say why he should get both. I do agree with you as well. How do you not take that deal? What are you going to get, get in return next year? I, 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 I just don't get it. You know, the, the time is only going to lessen. It's not going to get better. The deals are going to be lesser and less. They think they're going to get Jason Tatum. You know, it, the question is, though, you know, are the Celtics going to deal Jason Tatum when Davis says he has absolutely no intention of signing an extension in Boston? They're going to rent Jason. They're going to rent Davis for a year and give up Jason Tatum to do it. Be surprised if they do that. Jason was, Tatum is 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 their second best player. Oh, easily. Is Gordon Hayward has regressed? Okay, uh, and is is even getting big time minutes. Right? Brown has regressed. Rozier has regressed. Uh, Al Horford's not getting any younger. All right, and uh, lo and behold, they're a free agent to be. They're a brilliant guard, top 10 player. Uh, the guy who made the winning shot for LeBron's championship in Cleveland is, by the way, hurt again. Kyrie, even, Kyrie Irving is hurt again. Kyrie Irving is the Anthony Davis of guards. They're always in and out of the lineup. They're great players, but they can't stay healthy. It was, That's why I worry about him as a, as a potential Laker free agent. I agree. I wanted Paul George. I got LeBron. <laughs> All right. Paul George brings no issues. He just comes and he plays hard every night. Instead, I get the drama queen, who, of course, by the way, suffers the first major injury of his career and plays no defense. You watch them play. He doesn't even bother to play any defense anymore. None. None. It, it's painful to watch. Today was painful to watch. He doesn't post anybody up. He doesn't get into the paint. He lives at the three-point line now. And what are you doing? Get out there. Get out there. What whatever to whatever to barreling down, whatever to barreling down the paint. All right, now you now you're a Lakers, so you're all of a sudden you're gonna be Mr. Softy. I'm gonna get down in the paint, post people up, get to the foul line, and there's further problem. You can't shoot free throws. You know, where's the tough guy? You know, a year later you turn into Mr. Softy? Get down in the paint where you belong. You're bigger and stronger than most of the guys guarding you. What are you doing 30 feet from the basket? It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. 
You know, he is failing the Lakers. I don't care what the box score says, you know, 22, 12, and 10. All right. You should be shooting 12 to 14 free throws a night down in the box, doing damage and kicking the guys for wide open trays. But instead, he wants to live outside the three-point line and rotate the ball. Get down low where you belong. Get to the basket where you belong. He is not the same player that he was in Cleveland. He's clearly not the same player that he was in Miami. And he, no way, shape, or form, plays both ends of the floor the way he used to. And the Lakers need his defense. They need something. And I, I don't think the answer is Anthony Davis. I don't know how they would look. I can't even imagine the way they looked Sunday today playing the 76ers. Not great. Some flashes, but overall not stupendous. So you're going to get rid of everybody that made it stupendous. Kuzma going off in the first half to keep the game close. He wouldn't have been on the team. So what? Anthony Davis is going to have to score, what, 60? I, I don't hate the fact that the trade didn't happen. It just raised my eyebrows to a pretty severe extent. Now looking ahead to what next year's trade deadline and the year after that are going to look like and what demands are going to come from it and what we're going to hear the whispers of he, he wants who and who doesn't want to play with LeBron and who's it's going to be a headache. And what I'd like to, what I'd like to do if I was running the Lakers, you can't do it. I'm sure. Cause he's got a no trade clause. I trade LeBron. Hey, you want a championship? Here's the deal. Trade you the Celtics. Go play with the Celtics. See all, I want is Tatum, all, all I want is Tatum and one of those first-round picks. That's all. Here's LeBron, and LeBron's under contract. You got him for three more years. He's all yours. Just give me, give me Jason Tatum. Fair trade. You should be able to win a championship with LeBron and everything you have around him. He's all yours. Signed, sealed, delivered. Go back to the East, where you wreak havoc, where you go to the finals every year, and now you got you're back with Kyrie. So you have plenty of talent around you. All the and this young nucleus just only got to give just got to give up the one guy. Just Jason Tatum. Fair deal. What do you think? I think he looked good in green. <laughs> this definitely left. I think a sour taste in, in most Lakers fans' mouths because even without even looking ahead for next year's trade deadline and the year after that, it's, okay, what's this team going to look like then four or five years down the road if he should leave it? What type of shambles are we going to be left with? If, and, if and all this young core was traded away, I mean, it, it's, yeah. you're going to have to rebuild again. The point is again. to not do that. That's the point. Right. Do not do that. Continue to build through the draft and free agency. Now, now look, I think Magic and, and Polink have done some really good things. They had heavily criticized for bringing in guys on one-year deals. Rondo has been terrific for them this year. Uh, been hurt, but when he's played, he's played terrific. Uh, and he's had to because, you know, ball has been in another lineup and is out again. Lance Stevenson, a lot of flack for that. Lance Stevenson has been a excellent player off the bench. He hasn't complained. He hasn't bitched. He hasn't moaned the playing time. Whatever he's been in the rotation, he's done his job. He's come in, he's played hard, he's defended, made a lot of big threes, and has been an energizer, bunny kind of player. And, and very positive, uh, and always hustling and working hard on both ends of the floor. And you know, really being a professional, as is Ronda. 
And those are two guys that they brought in, raised a lot of eyebrows. McGee's worked very hard um, you know, and done a good job. I have to be honest, I, I did not like the Zubak trade. I did not. I, I love Zubak. He's 20 years old. He was really starting to come on uh, offensively and defensively in the middle. And they give him up to get, you know, the guy from the Clippers because he's a good three-point shooter at 6'11". Well, you know, after he was with the Sixers, Clippers for five minutes, you know, and then to the Lakers when they send Zubak, uh, the off-traveled Michael Beasley to the Clippers uh, for uh, for the 6'11 three-point shooter. I'm not even sure you pronounce his last name. Is it Mamula? Is that how it's pronounced? I've seen it. I, I've we're, only seen it. We're not the ones to try that out, Al. <laughs> I, I, pardon me? I, I've only seen him play a couple times. So, uh, and so far he's done nothing for the Lakers. But I thought that Zubak was a much more important cog, both as a uh, player for the future and a potential chip to get merely that for him. Uh, a guy who might help him knock down some threes. Uh, I, I thought it was a waste of a really uh, talented young player. Uh, and I was very disappointed that they moved him. Very disappointed. So we'll see what happens. They've got a tough road to hoe. That's the other thing. People think, oh, well, if they can get to this. I have said if they can get to the seventh seed, I think they can be anybody in the West and get to the finals and obviously lose the Golden State. But they're going to have a heck of a time getting to this, getting to the seventh seed because their schedule is murderous. Uh, and, you know, they got two teams they got to pass uh, to get to the seventh seed. So that's not going to be easy in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I don't know if the Clippers are going to mail it in or not, but Kings are playing better. Uh, Spurs are struggling. But the Lakers are going to have to play a lot better than they did today if A, they want to get in, and B, they want to climb the ladder. So I, I like the young guys. I have a lot of confidence in them. Um, I think they need Lonzo Ball back because, believe it or not, uh, they miss him defensively. He had played very, very, very well defensively before he got hurt. And they were playing very well, much better defensively before he got hurt. They have not been the same defensively since he got hurt. If there was ever any doubt either that there was a storm coming and the storm arrived this past week, LeVar Ball emerged from his cave going on national sports talk shows back at his old tricks saying his son is better than LeBron and that this he'd be better with the Suns and if they trade him he he was back after making well, no Fox noise for the always, season he was back Fox giving him a day long for oh of course he could do the car wash for Fox Sports that's no problem I was surprised and it didn't really hit me he didn't really say much at all this whole season up till that point, which was nice. I don't know who told him to be quiet, if it was Magic, LeBron, or if he just knew better, but All there the he was, back out of the cave, spitting fire. That's when you knew everything had hit the fan. He's just, I mean, he's not a caricature of himself, but he just acts like a complete phone. Every time he opens his mouth, he says something dumber and dumber and dumber. It's hard to believe that somebody can actually sit there with Shannon Sharp and say that 
his son is better than LeBron. And look, you know what I said about LeBron in terms of my criticism of him. But you know, to sit there and say your son is a better player than LeBron James, it, it just and try and have an exchange there and make some type of sense of that comment. First of all, what is the purpose of it? What are you gaining? Does your son gain by that? Does it make him more money? Does it make him more attractive for another team in a trade? Does it help the team he's on now or the mindset of the team he's on now or your son listening to you just chirp away like that, which is constant nonsense? Everything that comes out of his mouth is just nothing but complete hogwash. He just talks and talks and talks and it's like, let me say the most outlandish things I could possibly say just to get a reaction. Aren't we past that now? Haven't we seen this show before? I thought so. Is it, isn't this just a tired rerun of what we went through before the Lakers drafted him and during the first part of, of you know his son's rookie year? But yet, you know, here he is back again. It's like it's like the candidate that won't go away. You know. It's like the he's, he's like the bad rash. It just you know keeps coming back, and when it comes back, you know it, it's worse than it was the last time, and it's worse now because you think he would know better. You think he would have some common sense, but no. Let me go out there and make a complete fool of myself, embarrass my son, but he couldn't care less about that stuff, obviously. Which is, you know, when I act like an ass, I realize if I've done it in front of my son. That my age, you think I would know better? And he's old enough to now, now to be embarrassed by the fact that I act like a buffoon. But at least I'll eventually, not too, not too far past when I've done it, I realize it. Does this guy ever realize it? Or is he just incredibly clueless in regard to the effect his words can have on the environment that he's in? It just doesn't matter because, you know, some people think what he says seriously. So it does have an impact on some people. I couldn't care less because I know he's an idiot. But to just do it for effect at this stage of the proceedings, what are you gaining? What is your son gaining? I'm at a loss. Well, we know what happens when enough people believe the stupidity that they could hear on uh, certain television stations, certain programs. One thing leads to another, and you elect those people president. So maybe maybe we should pay more attention to LeVar Ball. He might be leading the NBA one day, and Adam Silver will be stepping down to appoint him as commissioner of the National Basketball Association. Ball, you know, in all caps, obviously, for the big baller brand. Yeah, it's been quite a brand. Very successful. <laughs> Very successful. I could probably shoot his, I'm sure he has people, shoot them a text or a phone call, and maybe we can get him as a guest on our program. I'm sure he'd love to come talk Lakers with us. Not on my show. (laughs) Not on my show. You can co-host with him. All right? I'll I'll, I'll head for higher ground. (laughs) Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. 
We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Let's go to America's pastime, because this past week, a lot of rumblings about different rule changes. First and foremost, one of the most impressive things and important things that they changed is the disabled list will no longer be a thing. Disabled is now taken off. Well, that's politically, politically incorrect. That's right. So, so baseball, baseball is fixed. We don't have to worry yep. about it anymore. <laughs> what? Yep. Wait until you see the numbers go up. It All was, done. It was interesting to see some of the different rules that were proposed. Like to get your thoughts on, I guess, some of the main ones. Turns out there's not going to be a universal DH, which I believe you are in favor of. That was thrown around that the National League would get that, but... Manfred came out and said, that's not happening. We're more focused on the pace of play. So that, to start, you were not a fan of the National League taking on the DH. Uh, 100%. I believe in real baseball. I prefer the National League style. Uh, I prefer, you know, pr- pr- prefer to see uh, managers actually have to you know, know how to maneuver with their bullpen and make double switches and have to worry about taking a starter out of the game uh, at a certain spot, not because I want to, but because of the situation with the score and I may have to pinch it and or how I'm going to use my bench. Uh, I believe it's a lot difficult, more difficult to manage in the National League. Um, am I for constant pitching changes? Absolutely not. Uh, I don't love the never-ending parade from the bullpen. I would prefer to see guys stay in and pitch. I like to see starters go seven innings and not be yanked in the fourth inning, you know, after giving up a run uh, and, and go with a multitude of arms. Uh, and no matter what you say, uh, and I don't care what anybody says, if these guys were better, they would be starters, right? But they're not. But regardless, um, I, I like the idea of the full managerial uh, scenario, having to know what you're going to do, when you're going to do it, and having to make those tough decisions and having to plan how I'm going to use my bench uh, in the seventh inning when it's uh, the fourth inning and having to have an understanding of how these things are going to be, the guys are going to be deployed. When do I waste a pinch hitter or do I use a pinch hitter in the fifth when I may need them later in the eighth, uh, especially now with the limited availability of bench players because we have such a multitude of pitchers because what's transpired with starting pitchers you know, going five, six innings, whatever the case may be. So um, I, I do not want the DH. I've never wanted the DH. I don't like the DH. I don't believe there should be any DHs in the Hall of Fame. Edgar Martinez made it. Good for him. I don't want any DHs in the Hall of Fame. I don't want any more DHs in the Hall of Fame. I don't want any DHs at all. I understand they use it in the junior circuit. That's why they call it the junior circuit. That's why it's a softball league. All right. It's a beer league. All right. National League is real baseball. As an American League guy... I wouldn't have hated it if they decided to go that way, but it's not going to keep me up at night that there's no DH in the National League. I do like that aspect of it, that difference, and I'm okay with it that they decided to go that way. And Speaking of pitchers, it was refreshing to hear Madison Bumgarner of the San Francisco Giants reportedly tell Bruce Bochy if he ever decides to use an opener, he's going to leave the ballpark. Here, here, Madison. <laughs> well, now, now that is on his starts, correct? Right, correct. I, I don't think he would leave the ballpark for every game should Bruce Bochy decide to do that. But 
I do like that aspect of Madison Bumgarner. The, like, long country hair, the spit and tobacco after World Series games, carrying the Giants that one year to a World Series championship. I just like the mindset that he has as a pitcher. I like the mindset that Scherzer has as a pitcher. Verlander, the, like, just give me the ball get out of the way, don't even look up until it's the seventh inning because I'm going to get us there, maybe only give up one or two runs, let me do my part, and then you figure out the other three innings. I like that mindset. And unfortunately, as you know, that's kind of getting lost now in baseball, and, and we're seeing it get even more lost now with this opener idea, which was interesting as well when we dealt with one of the possible rule changes of a reliever has to pitch to at least three batters before he is taken out of a game. I have to be honest, I kind of liked this for a couple of reasons. One of, one of which, the drama of it would be pretty interesting. Like, you want to get people to change on a baseball game, it's, okay, there's one out, two guys on, and they just brought in whomever, and he has to pitch to these two guys that happen to be, you know, we'll say Manny, or, Manny Ramirez, David Ortiz-esque type batters. Let's cook. And obviously, to me, I think the rule would be if you got to the end of an inning, that three batter rule would, wouldn't go into effect for the ninth, where you'd have to come out and get that one last out. I think it would be like you would have to close an inning, so you could still get the... There's two outs. The starter gets taken out. They bring somebody else in to finish off the seventh, say. He gets the last out to go to the eighth. He doesn't have to come out and start the eighth. I wouldn't hate it. I know that a lot of people don't like that, and, and they want the ability to not have to rely on that guy. He gives up a home run. You're not able to take him out for two more batters, per se. Hey, <laughs> I, I think that would bring some interest level to the game, and it would hopefully speed things up a little bit. It, it would really change in a way, too, how managers would have to use their bullpens. Like, wow, these three guys are coming up. There's one out. I don't have to deal with the three-batter rule with the current pitcher I have in because he's faced five batters already. What am I going to do? As an older generational fan, I have a feeling you're going to fight me back on this. Well, as an older generational fan, let's go back to Mad Bum for a second. You know, I got into a fight today with a relatively prominent talk show host who you know very well and work with because he's mad at Mad Bum for making that statement. And I said to him, wait a second. First of all, you have no problem with it. And, you know, we can't have it both ways. All we ever do, and with me at the top of the list, is bitch and moan about guys who make $30 million for going six innings. You know, and then they're looking over their shoulder. And they're looking to get pulled and we're going to middle relievers and we're going to closers. We're going, here's a guy who was totally the opposite. We love the Gibsons. We love the Koufaxes. We love the Marichals. We love the Jack Morrises who, when they got the ball on the bump and you come out in the seventh inning or eighth inning to get them, they said, what are you doing here? Get back in the dugout. All right. It's just my game to finish. Well, Baumgartner is one of those guys. All I'm saying is don't do that to me. He's not saying don't do that to anybody else. See, when it comes to me, I'm a starter. I'm starting. I'm going to try and finish. All right. But, you know, you don't need to get, get the first inning out of the way for me. I'll take care of it. All right. Isn't that more the mentality that we want? Don't we want lions? Don't we want guys who are hungry? Don't we want the guy who comes out 
okay, of hibernation, as you started to say earlier, all right, spewing venom. Don't we want that guy looking in saying, here it comes, all right, best shot, eighth inning, go ahead, hit it, all right, because I'm not going anywhere. This is the guy you're going to have to beat. Not some guy coming out of the bullpen, all right, not some guy who's reinvented after Tommy John surgeries, all right, the fact that he's now throwing 100 miles an hour for an inning. You got me. I'm not going anywhere. Here it is. Come get it. Is that what we want? We want more of those guys? I do. They're a dying breed. Let's not kill them all off. And in regard to your question, I understand your view of it. I understand how it could be incredibly interesting in terms of how it's deployed, how it's analyzed, when you do it, and the effect it has on how you are going about the game when I can't just bring a guy into phase one. All right? Uh, he's got to stay to phase three. But I will meet you halfway because in, I believe another one of the rule changes can offset what this is trying to accomplish. This is trying to speed things up. It's trying to minimize the amount of pitchers used, right? both of which I would like to see. Right? Well, I think we accomplished that by another proposal, which is expand the rosters by a player, which I think would be terrific because it creates more jobs, and hopefully it would melt some of this free agent freeze right? because you would have an extra roster player for each of the 30 teams, that's three more jobs. But going with it is you are keeping the number of pitchers at 12, which I love. I want a max of pitchers. I will trade that up. Instead of telling guys, this pitcher must go an inning, you can't have those one batter guys. I want to tell teams, you can only have so many pitchers. Because if you only have so many pitchers, we accomplish what you want to accomplish. We have less pitching changes because they only have so many pitchers I can use. So that speeds the game up. All right. And I won't have as many one batter guys because I've only got 12 pitchers. I don't want 14 pitchers on a roster. I want more players. I want deeper benches. I want two backup outfielders. I want three backup infielders. I want two catchers. All right. I want to see six, seven guys on the bench, not four. We have four-man benches now. We have one catcher. We have two infielders you know, and, and an outfielder. That's our bench because we got you know, we, we to five starters, a spot starter, and you know, an eight-man bullpen, nine-man bullpen. That doesn't leave it up for guys to come off the bench. That's why you always worry about you know, games going 16, 17 innings. Oh, we got a 15 pitch. Why well, you have 15 pitchers? How about you just play? How about you just play, all right, and let's get more players. They're the ones who play. We don't need 15 pitchers, all right? We don't need, you know, when I was a kid, you had pitching staffs that consisted of about, you know, five star, four or five starters and six-man bullpens. Now everybody's got an eight-man bullpen. Five starters, eight guys in the pen. You need eight guys in the pen? That's 13, sometimes nine. 12-man pitching staffs is plenty. Five starters, seven relievers. Perfect. Leave it at that. Get an extra player out there so we can have real baseball players. 
You're still going to have guys who have to be versatile. Still going to have to have Marlon Gonzalez's who can play four or five different positions. Absolutely. Play them well. Those are always a benefit. But, you know, I'm, I'm out of pinch hitters in the 10th inning because I've used two. That's ridiculous. So that rule, I think, accomplishes what you want to accomplish in terms of minimizing, helping to minimize pitching changes because you have to be more judicious, all right, which also will speed up the game. And you get an extra player, which allows a manager to have a little more to work with um, you know, in, in terms of his double switches, in terms of his pinch hitting, you know, when he can deploy them, et cetera. Uh, so I think that's kind of, you know, really reaches out and accomplishes a lot of things of all the changes. That was the one that I absolutely loved. Yeah, I can agree with that too, for everything that you said. And I agree too, in extra innings, you're running into problems, as you mentioned, not because you don't have arms. It's, we don't have anybody else to put out there to play these positions because we pinch ran for somebody and we pinch it for somebody. And now that screwed us. That's not fair. I heard people, I heard people talking about maybe limiting the number of warm-up pitches that the relievers get when they get into the game. I think that's stupid. That's just stupid. Yeah. You know, and then the, the, the morning men are analogizing it to, you know, when a guy comes in, let him take 10 jumpers. That's idiotic. It's absolutely idiotic. Okay, guys don't get hurt, all right, because they didn't take enough warm-up shots when they come into a game, right? You still have to take into consideration that these guys' arms are valuable, that they are subject to injury. They are like racehorses. You know, I, as much as anybody else, am critical of, you know, at times the way they are pampered, but you can't be stupid. And sending a guy out there without a chance to warm up on the mound he's now pitching on, which is always different than the mound in the bullpen, is just plain stupid. And I can't stand when people in these positions talk stupid. It's senseless. It is putting guys to a risk that is just not worth the reward. I'm going to potentially subject a guy to injury because, you know, Oh, 45 seconds for him to warm up is too much. A minute for him to warm up. Five pitching changes. You know, the, what do those warm-ups take? Five minutes. They still got to come in from the bullpen. Still got to drive in. Just send them out there. Okay, they, they, they literally take a minute to warm up. That's what it takes to throw those six or seven pitches. We have to eliminate that and risk them getting hurt because they're not used to the mound. All right? You know, they, they can't get adjusted to it. They don't find their landing spot not pushing off properly, whatever the case may be. Rubber's a little different than the one in the, in the bullpen. It just doesn't make sense. It just does not make sense in any way, shape, or form. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. The more and more things get thrown around, I don't really see a lot of options that's really going to make a drastic change. Even a pitch clock for both the pitcher and the batter, where it's you get 20 seconds as the pitcher, you get 20 seconds as the batter. If either one of you doesn't match that, it's either a ball or a strike. We have to move forward. I mean, 
I don't know if it's just going to take somebody to sit down with these guys and be like, listen, you don't need to no more Garcia power your way into the bat. Just have a gentleman's agreement. Get in the box. The pitcher's ready to pitch. Let's play baseball. I don't think you need to necessarily go to the lengths of having a pitch clock behind home plate and in the outfield. Just you could even make it like the NFL does for helmet to helmet hits where maybe a player even gets fined the day or two after the game because somebody's like, you were taking too long in between pitches. We timed you. It was this. The normal time that we've done the stats for and figured everything out with our tests is X. You went over it by Y. You're fined this amount of money. Move a little faster next time. Uh, Now, are you ready for the surprise of the night? I am. I can live with a pitch clock. All right. I can live with a pitch clock of 20 seconds managed properly by the umpires right? where, you know, obviously if he's not in the box, the clock doesn't go against you. Get him in the box, 20 seconds, absolutely no problem with it. And if you can't make that delivery in 20 seconds, then it's a ball. Now there has to be discretion, better part of Val in certain circumstances. You've got to give a guy time in certain situations. You got to be able to step off. You got to be able to throw to first. Got to be able to check runners. But big picture of things, 20 seconds should be enough. They've tried it in the minors. They've had no problems with it in the minors in terms of it working, in terms of being enforced, in terms of even being a factor. Uh, Everybody I've spoken to and listened to says that the leagues that has been affected, the minor leagues, they don't even know it's there. You've got your occasional guy. We all know who they are who don't want to throw the ball. Right. But, you know, that exception that one or two guys, you know, per division or per league can't stop you from what I think would be a beneficial change for everybody. I would actually not be opposed. I know it's I know it's I know it's hard to believe, but I would this old dog. This old reporter, I would not be opposed to a 20-second pitch clock. Now, could we counter and maybe in the postseason either eliminate it or maybe add 10 seconds or so just so that's taken out of the game? Because if we get into the ninth inning and it's, you know, bases loaded, two outs, whatever, and something's decided because of the pitch clock, people are going to set the field on fire. I don't think that would ever happen, number one. But uh, I, I think it would have to be a work in progress. You know, like anything else, let's see how it works. See how it works. Right. You know, if, if it works without a hitch, you know, th- then you don't have to worry about that. You know, whereas, you know, you know, all the problems I have with replay, you know, all the issues I have with the way replay is enforced and the things they use it for, it's resulted in totally unintended circumstances. Uh, where we're replaying, you know, guys sliding in safely, but become they, because they come off the back, you know, by an eighth of an inch, they're suddenly out, which is not what replay was designed to do. That's not an incorrect call. The call is right. All right. Replay was not designed to have that guy be called out because he came up off the back by a half an inch and the guy kept the glove on him and sometimes almost pushed him off the back. That's not what replay was there for. Replay was there to correct egregious errors of which there are many but not to do that. 
And that, that's one of the bigger problems I have with Major League Baseball right now is how the replay is used and the total and, and just complete state of disarray they seem to be in when they use it. You know, this top of the dugout routine has got to go when we're looking down the runway and the coach is giving you the thumbs up or the thumbs down, then, okay, let's go. I, no, no, I, I don't want to see that. I want to see umpires being screamed at. I want to see umpires being yelled at. I want to see managers charging out of the, Look, players make mistakes. They're not perfect. I bitch about umpires. I bitch about referees. I bitch about officials, but they're not perfect. Well, everybody makes mistakes. And we really don't have an efficient uses of it in the National Football League either. And let's forget about the NBA, where it takes 12 minutes to see if you know, the ball went off of this guy's or that guy's hand when it's under two minutes. And let's stop the game to confirm that, yeah, he was actually three feet behind the line when he took that three-pointer, but we got to stop and take a look. I mean, are you kidding me? Let's, not, let, let, let's kill the whole momentum of the game and or a team that's on a run to double-check the response. You know, I can see it on TV the first look. He's eight inches behind the line. And then they got to look at 27 different angles. On the same TV I'm watching it on. Okay, you know, at, at you know at at, at the uh, at, at the PA's desk, I'm watching the same thing. I saw it. How come you got to get down on one knee? All right, put on the headset. Get everybody over. Everybody go to the bench for ten minutes. Are you kidding me? This is what we become. And no, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado are still not signed. Al, it's always a pleasure. Perhaps our predictions will be answered next week. If not, we will have more AAF. And, we'll and folks, remember, we just cranked this hour up with no NFL conversation whatsoever except for 15 seconds or so from yours truly. So don't think we can't get it done without the NFL. Great speaking with you, Big Slash John Slash Tiny Lund. Until next week. I am Al Renato, a.k.a. Al from White Plains. Have a great sports week, everybody. We'll be back next Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.